this morning and was greeted by the sunrise. I made a simple meal and enjoyed a moment of peace and stillness. I stepped into my vehicle and joined a million others traveling to work today. And I arrived safely. I spent most of the day at my job, doing the same familiar tasks that greet me every day. The work that provides for my needs. Everything I've experienced today could be considered unremarkable, but they are all profound blessings, the fingerprints of your hand. Help me to grasp the wonder in the small and the simple, to notice the miracles which surround me constantly, to see the beauty in the commonplace and take nothing for granted. Teach me to make gratitude a lifestyle, one which flows into love, rejoicing, and thankfulness. Every moment that I draw breath, amen. All right, well, good morning, Liquid Church. Great to see you guys. Let's welcome our brothers and sisters joining us around the state. Glad you guys are with us. I'm... Pastor Tim, glad you're joining us for the uh, final message in a very short series called Thanks Living, short two-part series kind of leading into the Christmas season. In fact, next week I'm going to kick off our Christmas series. It's called The Family Tree. I don't know if you got your tree, but we're going to trace our spiritual roots in Christ's family tree and discover kind of the deeper meaning behind Christmas besides just, you know, crass commercialism. But today we're giving and we're living thanks which is appropriate because we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? Oh, you got to do better than that. Amen? Amen. Okay, all right, all right. So here's the deal. If you're new to church, I get it. Amen is kind of a weird word. Uh, The Greek for amen, it means true dat. Okay? It means I'm with you, okay? So that's what it means. All right. So let me start with some kind of exciting news. going to make you say amen about our Christmas outreach. Uh, Last week, I announced our big goal for the outreach. Our goal was to mobilize 3,000 volunteers to pack 500,000 meals for the homeless. These are emergency meals for our homeless friends and families living in poverty all across our state. Currently in New Jersey, there are actually 1 million people living in poverty, so that's one in nine of us. And this Christmas, we were asked as a church uh, to pay for and prepare and pack and distribute and deliver more than double the amount of last year's output. Last Christmas, we did 200,000 meals. But I was like, half a million meals, that is a massive goal in a single Saturday. Really big stretch for our church. So we're like, we got to have at least 3,000 volunteers. Well, here's the exciting news. You guys shattered the record. (laughs) Okay, today, we got sound effects today, people, all right? This is high tech. I'm serious. We've never seen a response like this to the outreach. When we first posted the volunteer shifts online, they completely filled up. And so last Sunday, we added more slots, and they filled up 
by Tuesday at all seven locations. Every serving slot, every volunteer shift has been filled. Here's the big news. We did not reach our goal of 3,000 volunteers. You shattered it with 3,536 volunteers. That's incredible. I love it. Guys, that's an army of compassion from every age and stage. We have moms and dads serving with their kids, aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa's neighbors all coming together to feed the hungry and serve the poor in Jesus' name. Guys, that's faith in action. That's love in action. So let me say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because you're willing to donate your time to serve the poor and the vulnerable at Christmas. It's really enabling our church to have an impact far outside of our church walls. I mean, 500,000 meals, when I heard that, I was like, that's, you know, that's a stretch. But because you've been generous with your time and money, I want to give you the totals. Guess how many total meals we are going to be able to donate this December to the homeless and the hungry at Christmas. You're right. I need a drum roll. Can you give me a drum roll like this? Sound effect Sunday. Okay, here we go. Ready? Final tally, 532,000 meals. That's incredible. Okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, that's... The sound guy is heavily caffeinated today. That's a lot of sound effects there. All right. This is a wave of generosity and compassion, guys. Thank you so much for volunteering your time, you know, being willing to kind of rock a hairnet, you know, and get those meals out there. And I want to thank our outreach leaders for working really long hours behind the scenes to make the event possible. Can we thank your leaders? They did an amazing, amazing job. I really feel like as a church family, guys, you're living out what God says is at the heart of our faith. Remember Isaiah 58 last week, we saw God says, what's it about? What's faith about? He says, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. So understand because of your generosity, brothers and sisters, your flesh and blood, 530,000 nutrient-rich meals that we're distributing. And these are going to go, guys, to, just so you know, kind of, it's the working poor. It's families who are vulnerable and underserved in the inner city. It's single moms. It's homeless veterans. And through December, the community food banks across New Jersey, we're going to be distributing them right in the middle of winter. And guys, that's the heart of God. It's the heart of, of our church. And as your pastor, can I, can I just say, I'm so proud of you. Because of your generosity, the poor are being served. And the hungry being fed in Jesus' name, the lost are being loved. Amen? You have shown an incredible attitude of gratitude, like we talked about last week. Not just kind of, you know, giving thanks. That's what people do, you know, oh, you know, we give thanks. But living thanks by serving others in Jesus' name. That's what it's all about. Well, today's fitting because today I want to talk about the companion to an attitude of gratitude. This is kind of like gratitude's twin sister, and her name is a spirit of generosity, and this is really easy to do because you guys live it out every, every week. You know, one of my favorite verses comes from Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, which says this in the message paraphrase. God says, the world of the generous gets what? Say it together. Larger and larger, while the world of the stingy gets what? Smaller and smaller. What's God saying here? He's saying, hey, when you're generous, it actually enlarges your heart, enlarges your perspective, enlarges your influence in the world enlarges your impact. And understand, God's not just talking about money here. Like from God's perspective, money's just like a little slice of life. But generosity is a lifestyle. Followers of Christ are meant to be generous with our time. We're to be generous with our praise, generous with our compliments, generous with our kindness, generous with giving our, our time and attention to the needs of others. Generosity is about a lot more than just donating 
time and money. It's about living a life where you're a giver, not a taker in every area. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. I want a spirit of generosity in my life, in my family's life. It's really what God wants all of us to have, this generous spirit that expands our world and blesses others with the love of Christ. So today, I want to show you what a spirit of generosity looks like in the scriptures by turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. So you can flip there in your phone or in your Bible. This is kind of scripture's classic passage describing what a generous spirit looks like in action. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. It's called Corinthians. The book is Corinthians. It's actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Corinth. This was an ancient city in Greece. That's why they call it Corinthians, right? So if the letter were written to our church here, we'd we'd call it, you know, Second New Jersey and something like that. And uh, in this letter, Paul tells the Corinthians how the early Christians in the church in Jerusalem, so there's a church in Israel, how they were suffering how they were poor, and how they were under extraordinary pressure and stress. Things were financially tight, all sorts of stuff. And so Paul says to these other churches, he's like, hey, I got an idea. Let's take up a special offering to support them. Let's give generously to relieve some of the pressure that those other brothers are under. And it was kind of cool because like all the churches in Macedonia, that's just like a region in Greece, they stepped up. They said, sure, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's do this thing. They gave generously. And here, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and he's like, hey, how about you guys? You guys want to help? What are you going to give to help? And he points to the churches in Macedonia as an example of what biblical generosity looks like. Here's what Paul says in verse 1 and 2 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He says this, now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace or the gift that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their what? Say this phrase, church. Overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in what? Rich generosity. Circle the phrase overflowing joy and rich generosity and draw a line between them because Paul's making a connection here, okay? And if you're taking notes, he says, the first quality of authentic, true, biblical generosity is this. Generosity is enjoyable. It's not something you dread. Christians actually give out of joy, not guilt, which is different than the world, right? Christians don't give out of like duty or obligation or paying like religious dues. We don't give out of pressure. We give out of joy. The Bible says generosity is enjoyable. Look what he says. He says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy welled up in rich generosity. Now look at this verse for a second. Notice a couple things about these churches, right? First off, the church, this church was not like rich. It says they're extreme poverty. So these guys were extremely poor. And second, it says they were going through some hard times. It says in the midst of a very severe trial, they were being severely tested. Do you know what was happening? Anybody know? Okay. Persecution. Think of the evil of ISIS. What we're seeing right now where Christians are systematically hunted down, tortured, and killed for being a follower of Jesus. In the Middle East, that's what was happening right here. Christians were being killed just for their faith in Jesus. This is written during the time of the Roman Empire when Nero was on the throne. And if you were a Christian, you were killed. You're either fed to the lions for sport, or you were nailed to a cross, dipped in tar, and set on fire to light the gardens of Caesar. Profound evil. So in that culture, if you're a follower of Christ, you died. So these churches are poor, and they are going intense persecution. But strangely, it doesn't stop them 
from giving. Out of their joy and poverty welled up rich generosity. What caused them to be generous? They gave out of joy. Now, time out here, because non-believers don't typically get this. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, first off, welcome. It's awesome that you're here. You're exploring Christianity. But I don't think most people will ever understand this until you personally ask Christ into your life. You just don't get it because it doesn't make sense. You're like, wait, let me get this straight. So you take out of your little bit that you have and you're struggling and you give it to somebody you don't even know? In our culture, that's considered crazy. But in the kingdom of God, it's commonplace. It's the norm. Generosity is the natural byproduct of joyful living. Have you ever noticed the happiest people in the world are typically people who have a generous spirit, right? They're givers. While the most miserable people in the world are typically the takers. They're selfish, right? Think about those two words. Miser is the root word for miserable, right? Whenever you're self-centered, you're going to be miserable. But the Bible says a spirit of biblical generosity, oh, that's enjoyable. It's actually one of the most fun things you can do is to actually give generously to others and watch it change their lives. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Today, I want to inspire you. I I actually want to brag on some people here a little bit, all right? And just show you the, the joy that your generosity has generated this year in the lives of people you don't even know. Right? Like the churches in Macedonia, they, they were generous to this struggling church in Jerusalem. Let me tell you something, guys. Because of your generosity in 2016, a dying church in New Jersey received a new life. That's St. Paul's United Church of Christ. It's over 100 years old. And when they called our church, they called Liquid because they had run out of money. They were actually about to close the doors of the church. It was very sad. The church had dwindled down to about 12 to 15 people on Sundays, most of them seniors. And they were under extreme financial pressure. And they said, Liquid, they said, could you guys help us? And we said, of course, yes. And they did something incredibly generous. They actually voted to donate their church and become Liquid Six Campus. And so you guys know, we closed it for a season, and you guys generously donated $600,000 to restore that church, to lovingly renovate it, upgrade it with new modern technology. It was like an extreme church makeover. Here's the sanctuary before, right? I mean, when you say before and after, this is the sanctuary before and after, okay? Total transformation. These are the classrooms before and after. Guys, that's amazing because of your generosity, a dying church received new life. Yeah, you can, you can clap for that. That's incredible. But that, it's like the building's one thing. The people are a whole nother. I'm serious. People are being born again by the dozens in this new church. Last week, 29 people were baptized at Garwood. I think we have a picture of this. This is from the first service, including a whole family. We've only been open four weeks. Go back here. This is amazing. This is like a move of the Holy Spirit, because when I see baptisms, like every one is meaningful and precious. For me, one stood out. Nancy Mattern is one of the longtime leaders of the church. She was born there, and she was sprinkled as an infant 60 years earlier. And Nancy and her husband, Trent, were part of the consistory or the kind of committee that voted to donate St. Paul's. And in the process of rebirthing that church, Nancy's faith was reborn too. I'll let Nancy describe it to you. Well, um, I was baptized as an infant um, at St. Paul's Church, which is now Liquid Church, Liquid Garwood. I think Liquid Church has been such a blessing um, to us because we were searching for 
what does God want us to do next? There were so many difficult times in um, the leadership of St. Paul's that we had to make difficult decisions. We had to face the fact that our church was dying. We had to have difficult conversations with people. I feel like we were so in the desert for those many, many years. Um, we had to practice patience, but at the end of the desert, he gave us um, a wonderful gift of, of Liquid Church. They actually brought in, you know, the videos, they brought in, and, and they brought in how they did things to our little church. We went from 12 to 15 people on a Sunday to, um, you know, we didn't have enough room, um, extra chairs, full to capacity. Seeing people uh, come to church at Liquid Garwood is such a blessing. So that is God's faithfulness. It has come full circle, and the best news is that there's, there's so much more to come, which is really exciting. Um, we didn't have adult baptisms in my former church. So now that the opportunity has come up and Garwood is open and um, you know, I couldn't be happier about how things are going at Garwood. So um, I just think it's the perfect time for, for me for this to happen. Isn't that amazing? Can we hear it for our Garwood leaders? Incredible to see God's impact faith being passed on to the next generation. Guys, that's what your generosity makes possible. You understand that? Your, your generosity doesn't just go to like, you know, bless our church. Like the Macedonian church, it is going out to help other struggling churches across our state experience new life. They had 29 baptisms. We've been open for four weeks, guys. That is a thrill. To me, that is a highlight. Whenever I see lives changed by Christ, and particularly generations coming together, that's why we do what we do. You know, I would point your attention here to this one woman in the corner here. Her name's Magdalena. You see her in a wheelchair? She's 92 years old. Her father helped build the original church. And a couple of weeks ago when I visited Garwood, Magdalena and her daughter, Christine, they came up to me and said, Tim, we want to show you this memory book we have. And there was a picture, and they said, this is the picture we took on opening day back in the 50s when we opened the brand new building. And she said, you see it filled, and there's my father, and he helped build the church, and, and they were telling me all about it, and they said, it's been the heartbreak of our life to see it be empty. We haven't had children here for 30 years in this church. Last Sunday, Pastor Tim, we had 87 children. It was absolutely, you just saw her eyes light up. Watch this, watch this. Magdalena, who's 92 years old in a wheelchair, said, I am going to get baptized because this is personal, my faith in Christ. And we poured water over her head. Obviously, she's in a wheelchair. It was just a super special, tender moment. Guys, that, does that give you joy? Okay. That is a highlight to me of a church being raised to life by the power of God. Again, because of your generosity, guys, the faith is being passed from one generation to the next. People are being born again. I'm like, is there any greater investment you can make on this side of heaven? See, as Paul tells the Corinthians, and I'm telling you, a spirit of generosity is enjoyable. But notice also, Paul says, it's secondly, supernatural, meaning like this ain't normal. That's what we see here in verse three. Look at verse three. We're gonna kind of, kind of go verse by verse today. Paul's talking to this um, you know, church in Macedonia who gave to help another struggling church. But then he says this, for I testify, I swear, that they gave 
as much as they were able, and even, let's say this phrase together, beyond their ability. How, how do you give beyond your ability? That's literally the definition of supernatural giving, right? Natural giving is like, oh, when I give, like, what I'm able to give. Supernatural giving, inspired by God, is when you give even beyond your ability. How do, how do you do that? Somebody's like, oh, how do you do that? Well, listen, many of you have done that this past year <laughs> through your tithes, through your offerings, through your saturate pledges to that campaign. You, you are sitting among some of the most generous people in America right now, okay? If you're new, just letting you know we're not after your money, but you're sitting among generous people, not rich people, but you're sitting among people who decided this year, I'm going to take money that you could have used to pay a bill or, or buy a TV or make a car payment or whatever, and you took money that you could have used and you needed and you gave it to feed the poor. You gave it to rescue a dying church. You gave it to drill clean water wells in Rwanda for the poorest of the poor in Jesus' name. Guys, that's not natural, okay? It is supernatural. Let me tell you what natural is. Natural is for me to keep it all for myself. It is natural for me to protect what I have. It is natural for me to hoard. It is natural for me to worry. I don't know if I'll have enough. It is not natural for me to give away what I need. That's supernatural generosity. It means you're responding to the supernatural prompting of the Holy Spirit. You're actually responding to that whisper of God in your, in your heart, in your head that says, hey, trust me. Trust me enough to give away some of what I've given to you to bless others. That's what people like Ben Wasage and his wife, Rosina, have experienced. Ben and Rosina, they're three kids. They've been part of our Middlesex County campus for a few years. Ben's a carpenter by trade. He runs a custom cabinetry business with a few employees. And Ben and his family are tithers. What that means is every year they give a tithe. That's 10% of their income to their spiritual home where they're fed. In their case, that's Liquid Church. They give 10% of their income. Understand something, again, if you're new. This church is like built on families like Ben's who tithe. If you're new, you're like, that's insane. I, I get that. I get that. But watch this. Watch this. Ben told us that while they give 10% of his income to the church to serve the poor, he said, we felt like God was asking me, Tim, what about your business? Would you be willing to actually tithe on your business revenue? And he said, the problem was it was when business was slow and I didn't have many clients. He said, but I felt like that was God saying it to my heart. And so I took a step of faith and I'll let him tell you how it turned out. Watch this. I grew up in a home where my dad was in construction. I can remember as early as 11 or 12 being on the job site just helping him out. And I really liked it. After I graduated high school, I went in to work with him up until I was 25. And then took a little break from it, spent five years in law enforcement in California. Unfortunately, we were really far away from family, so we had to make the tough choice of either staying there or moving back. So we ended up moving back to New Jersey in 2011, and I jumped right back into construction and the family business at the height of the recession, which was a huge gamble. We knew it at the time, but we took that risk. I think I read a book somewhere, a Christian talking about how he was giving back to God out of his business. Something went off in my head like, is there some sort of fear that I'm holding on to that if I give that there won't be enough? Am I not trusting God with my finances from my business. I decided to take a leap of faith and it was a hard time because this was back in August of last year when we were kind of going through um, a dry spell with work. I didn't have a lot of work. God knew my heart. I wasn't trying to 
give to get. It was just out of my trust in him. I wanted to be used in the kingdom. 14 months later, when I step back and I look at our business or I look at this year, you know, we've had the best year ever since I moved back in 2011. I'm just truly humbled, me and my wife. We are just completely in awe day after day with his grace and how we can trust him. He will never let us down. To me, that's a cool thing. I mean, Ben said, uh, you know, Tim, I'm going to open up my hands and my business, risky business here, uh, to God and trust him. And he's like, ever since Tim, it's the craziest thing. He's like, clients have been coming in kind of out of, out of the blue, and his business is thriving. And, and I'm like, coinkadink? I think not. This is what happens, Paul says, when you adopt a spirit of generosity and give beyond your ability. God says, I can trust you with more. Look what Paul writes here in chapter 9. He explains this. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap what? Generously. In other words, God multiplies what you give him. He's using the example of like a farmer who goes out and scatters seed, right? If you're a gardener, you guys know this, right? If you take one tomato seed and you plant one seed in the ground, what happens next spring, right? One tomato comes up? No. If you're a decent gardener, a vine full of tomatoes comes up, right? You take one apple seed, does one apple come up? No. A tree full of apples come up. The, what's his point? He's saying God multiplies what you give him. He who sows generously will also reap generously. So translation, what is hairnet? God says you choose. You choose how much you want me to bless your life. Because it all depends on your generosity. I have no limit. If you sow a little bit, you get a little bit. The more you sow, the more you invest, the more you give. God says, I multiply it. If it's a lot, I'm going to give you a lot because I can trust you. It is all up to you. As you give away to help others, God says, the more I will bless your life and grow your faith. Now, as Ben said, I'm not trying to like give to get. He says, there's a chance for me to trust God. And he responded to the Holy Spirit. So see what Paul's saying here? He's like a spirit of generosity. First, it's, 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 it's enjoyable, but it's also supernatural. And notice, it's also totally voluntary. No pressure. There is no guilt. There is no duty or obligation. True biblical generosity is totally voluntary. It's on your own. In verse 4, Paul says this. This is a crazy verse. This is going to be kind of nutty. Uh, he says this. Out of their own, what's this phrase? Free will. They begged us and they pleaded for the privilege of having part in helping God's people in Judea, which is Jerusalem. Underline these words. Free will, begged, pleaded for the privilege. In other words, Paul's like, do you know what these guys did? They were like, oh, Pastor Paul, is there any way we can give more? Could we pass the offering buckets again? Said no one ever in the history of church, <laughs> except here in Macedonia. Paul's like, that actually happened. And I get it, right? It's hard for people to understand. A lot of people who are outside the church, like maybe again, maybe you're just starting to make your way back to church or if you're visiting, a lot of people who kind of look inside the church, they're like, I, I get it. I mean, people give at church because they're forced to. They're pressured, right? They feel guilty, so it's like they have to give. Guys, have you noticed something? We never ever do that at Liquid. In 10 years, we have never, ever, ever played the guilt card. And as long as I'm pastor, we never will. Why? Because giving out of guilt or manipulation doesn't count. It's not true generosity. God says, I don't want guilt offerings. You keep it, okay? A spirit of generosity that the Lord receives, he says, it's enjoyable, it's supernatural, and it's 100%
voluntary, like Ben, like the Wasage family. God spoke to them. Look what Paul instructs here in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. He says this, each of you should give what your pastor has pressured you to give. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, that's not said. Each of you should give. You may have felt like that, right? Times growing up in church, I used to. Each of you should give what you've decided where? In your heart to give. I mean, it's up to you. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, under pressure, for God loves who? A what? A cheerful giver. Notice he doesn't mention an amount. He mentions an attitude. Cheer, joy, generosity isn't about an amount. It's about an attitude. It's having this open heart that, that sees a need and then spontaneously responds, of course, how can I help? What can I do? Let me tell you something, guys. In 10 years of leading this church, I have never pressured or guilted anyone into giving. And here's a simple reason why. I trust God 100%. 100%. And I trust you. What I have found is when I just lay out the facts, hey, here's what God's blessing. Here's where he's leading us. Here's where the needs are. The Holy Spirit actually speaks to your heart. You notice that? So let me take a moment here just to kind of lay out the facts as we approach the end of the year because 2016 has been like a banner year for ministry at Liquid. We've actually had our highest attendance ever of adults on Sundays. Our high school ministry has doubled. Very exciting to see next generation. And the amount of people in life groups has actually tripled, which is absolutely incredible. And then you guys just go ahead now and just shatter the outreach record, all right? A half million meals to feed the hungry. You raise a dying church back to life. Let me tell you something. That's incredible. And it took a ton of time and it took a ton of energy. But you know what? It also took a ton of money. It, it, it took a ton of money. And the reality is, right now, we are actually behind budget. I'm going to let you in a little bit behind the scenes. Are you ready? At this point, people haven't given what they normally give up to this point to the general fund. And so right now, as a church, we are behind budget. It's funny, when he came up to me last week and said, by how much? Okay, let me tell you directly. We're behind budget by a little more than $500,000. It's about the same amount of meals, right, that we're serving. So I'm just telling you, that's a need that your church has. We want to close that gap by December 31st so we can end the year strong. Because here's what I found. How you typically close one year is how you begin and start the other. So we want to finish December 2016 very strong. And it's funny, um, just to give you a little insight, when our senior team was meeting this past week and we're discussing, wow, $500,000 behind here in December with just a few weeks left, we thought, we, you know, it naturally comes up. Do we pull back? Do we cancel the Christmas outreach? Do we cancel Night to Shine? Do we, do we pull back on our compassion? And for us, it was a no-brainer. We're like, of course not. For two reasons. First, we have 100% faith in God that he will provide. He has done this consistently. It would be an insult not to trust him now. And secondly, we never as a church want to pull back on our generosity to people in need outside of these church walls, guys. This year, we are donating $800,000 to help support people in partner ministries like the Relief Bus, helping the homeless, like Family Promise, supporting victims of domestic violence, like Living Water, providing clean water wells for the thirsty of the thirsty, International Justice Mission, combating human trafficking and sex trafficking. Guys, our, our church is known across the state for our generosity, that we don't keep 100% to ourselves, but we actually send it back out to bless our neighbors in need, particularly the most vulnerable. And historically, just to let you know, wherever there's been a need, liquid people have always stepped up, always. 
The church you're a part of has a history of rich generosity at the year's end. So let me be like super clear about this just so like nobody misinterprets. We're not freaking out, okay? But we are asking everyone to step up and help close the gap by December 31st. And so we were like, awesome, how can I help? I'm glad you asked. In your program today, we put a giving envelope, looks like this. It has a Christmas tree on front. Would you pull it out? Because I want to read something to you that is on the inside, printed in red. It's the verse we just read. You notice we always put this? We don't say, please give as much as you possibly can by that. We don't ever do the pressure thing. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. What's God saying to you? And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives generously. And there are three ways that you can help close the gap by December 31st. The first is to give a tithe. If you're here today and you're like, you know, I've kind of held back my tithe this year, or maybe you realize, you know, I need to start giving a portion of my income and honoring God first. Your tithe between now and December 31st would be a huge win for our church. Tithing literally is the foundation of our church. It is the starting point for generosity. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your finances. And I want to thank every family here who does that. Truly, thank you. It is foundational. In fact, here's kind of a cool story. Um, last month, I'm talking to this newlywed couple. There's a couple of 20-somethings that just got married. And I said, guys, have a great honeymoon and all that. They said, oh, yeah. They said, and when we come back, they said, hey, we're kind of doing something fun. They said, we're actually tithing on our wedding gifts. And I was like, what? They said, yeah, we're trying to save for a house. We're, we want to start a marriage off on the right foot. And so we're going to put God first. And we're going to have 10% of our wedding gifts to pay people here at year end. I was blown away. Are you encouraged by that? I'm like, that gives me such, do you think God will honor that? Absolutely. What a great way to start a marriage. That kind of faith and maturity in a young couple is so inspiring. So giving a tithe is the first way you can help. But the second way is to make a special offering or gift by December 31st. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? I can help pay for some of those emergency meals. And God has blessed you this year. And you're like, man, I want to be a blessing. That would be a win to make a special offering. I'll tell you what that looks like. I talking with another friend. He's kind of a Wall Street guy, works in the city. I said, hey, how, how, you know, how'd it go this year? And he goes, well, end of the year is always a little dodgy in my business. And he says, but incredibly, we did better than expected. A lot of ups and downs in the market, but we're going to make a profit. And he goes, I'm getting a bigger bonus than usual. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> Secret straight with me. Now I just told all of you. Uh, what, I'm like, praise God. That's awesome. Bonus for you. And he said, no, no. He goes, you know what I figure? I figure God must have somebody he wants to blow to bless. I figure God has someone he wants to help. And he talked about, told me about he's actually, you know, writing a check to help with the outreach and everything. Let me tell you, that's not natural. <laughs> I have found most people don't typically interpret their end of the year bonus as being for others, okay? Most of people, right, let's be honest, when we get a little extra in our lives, at least me, I typically say, ah, all of this is for me. Now I can go buy whatever. But a spirit of generosity, guys, asks a different question says, God, thank you for blessing me. You must really trust me. Now, let it flow through me. Who else do you want to bless? So any kind of special offering by December 31st, that's a win. And then finally, if you're able to complete your Saturate pledge by year's end, that would be a win too. If you're new, again, Saturate is a special campaign. About 80% of our people participated in a year ago. And if you're coming to the end of the year and you're like, absolutely, I'm in a position where I could pay off my Saturate pledge by December 3rd, 31st, huge win for us, because what it means is we can fast-track progress on the ministry goals we have in early 2017, like our special needs gym. This is where I want to give you a kind of a fun report today. We actually poured concrete 
last week. As you know, we have plans to open a custom gym for children with special needs at a broadcast campus in Parsippany in 2017. This is not a gym like the YMCA or something like this. This is tailor-made to serve children with autism, Asperger's, Down syndrome, ADHD, developmental disorders. And it features special equipment customized to help with their therapy and development. But guys, this is a next level of ministry for us that is only made possible by your generosity. So to help you envision what your generosity is going to do in the new year, let me show you a quick news clip of a similar gym that opened in the Midwest. Check this out. This weekend, families of children with autism and other special needs will have a brand new and safe place for their children to play. You're looking at it. The Re-Rock the Spectrum Gym. It officially opens in Greenwood tomorrow. And the cause is very dear to the owner's heart. Yeah, Fox 59's Kendall Downing got a sneak peek tonight, and he's here in studio with details for us. Kendall, this is pretty neat. Yeah, it is, Dan. For parents who may have a child on the autism spectrum, everyday outdoor and indoor playground and gym facilities, sometimes they just don't cut it. With the experience simply too much for parents and kids to handle. The hope for the owners is that this meets and makes a child's life better. When I heard about this gym, I, I instantly knew that this was something needed for our community. For Amy Phillips, this space is more than just a gym. It is a labor of love. I felt extremely um, passionate about the idea. I've been a special needs educator for 18 years. The Perry Township teacher is extending her reach beyond the classroom. There's a lot of families that deserve this, and I wanted to be the one to bring that to them. The items here are tailor-made for kids with sensory processing issues. A zip line helps with upper arm strength. A crash pad provides a soft place to land. Swings are designed to comfort and cradle children. When they're able to sit in that, they can, they can relax. A lot of times you would have to go to a therapist, like an occupational therapist or a physical therapist to have access to this type of equipment. The gym also has a calming room, a place where children can relax if they've had too much. Kids with special needs a lot of times need to have a break. Um, they get overstimulated. Amy says since announcing her plans, parents of kids with special needs across the metro area have been reaching out. She and her husband Nick want this to be a spot where every child and family feels accepted. This is a place that they never have to, to say they're sorry. Uh, they, can, they can play uh, here in the gym and, and, and be themselves. So, so yeah, um, there's, there is hope and it's here. As you heard, most families who have children with special needs have to go to an occupational therapist to have access to this kind of equipment, but our gym is going to have those swings and rock climbing walls and ball pits and monkey bars and slides. It actually, the chill area is kind of cool. It, it helps diffuse excess energy, especially for kids who struggle with anxiety and aggression. And here's kind of the deal, just again, let you know this. If you're a parent of a child with special needs, especially child, you know this. Going to a gym like this, the cost is astronomical. Kyra was telling me she sometimes takes Andy. It costs over $100 an hour, and there's a waiting list a month long. But the gym in your church will be totally free, completely open to the public, because we want to bless people who are outside our church walls. Guys, that's exciting to me. We're designing the gym so it's not just open on Sundays, but also during the week so that the community can come in and use it free of charge and be blessed. I want you to picture this. A mom with an autistic youngster who you know, comes by on a Wednesday afternoon and is actually able to sit down and use our Wi-Fi and have a cup of coffee maybe while her child plays in the gym. Guys, this is a way to serve our community, bless our neighbors, no strings attached. Now, we're going to need a bunch of volunteers in the new year because we expect this to be popular. 
Uh, word is kind of getting out. In fact, I had an occupational therapist come up to me, and she gives me her card. She says, do you have brochures? I said, no, we don't, we don't have brochures. She goes, the minute it's open, give me something because I want to give every one of my clients, let them know about this. This is exactly what families in New Jersey need. Guys, that's the heart of our church. It's not to just be generous so that we can make a nice church for us, but for those outside, for people who maybe the culture sometimes overlooks and says, you know what, they're last in line. In God's house, they're first in line, amen? That's the Father's heart, full of compassion and tender care for his children in need. So understand, guys, that is one of the things your generosity is gonna make possible in the new year. Your financial gift here at year's end will help us fast-track progress and complete the gym for our grand opening in 2017. So thank you, thank you for your heart, your vision, your faithful support. If you're visiting, again, you're sitting next to some of the most generous people in the, I think, in, in the nation, in America. It, I didn't say rich people. We're, not many of us are rich, but I believe we are blessed, and God has blessed you because we believe we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Well, before we close, and uh, I call our ushers forward to receive today's offering, um, I want you to think about this. I want to review just what we learned from 2 Corinthians. Again, we're just taking it from the Bible. Biblical generosity is enjoyable. It's actually a source of joy, not guilt. It's supernatural. It's just led by God's spirit. What is the Lord saying to your heart? And it's voluntary. It is never in response to pressure or obligation. But do you notice here in Corinthians the greatest reason that Paul gives the church when he says be generous? He closes with this. He says the number one reason you always give is that a spirit of generosity makes you just like Jesus, your Savior. Every time you give, it breaks the grip of materialism in your heart. Every time you give, your heart for God grows bigger. And every time you give, you become more like Jesus. Why? Because who is our master example of generosity? Answer, your Savior. Paul reminds us in verse 9, this is how he ends. He sums the whole thing up. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, king of heaven, yet for your sake he became what? Poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. What's he talking about? Jesus Christ had it all. As a son of God, he had all the glory of the Father, all the riches of heaven at his disposal. And at Christmas, he gives it all up to come be with you, to be born in a barn, incredibly humbling circumstances. It's about as low as you can go. Why did Jesus do it? Not for himself. He did it for you. That's our Savior. When Jesus gave his life, he said, I'm giving up my glory and my rights to become poor so I can give them salvation and eternal life because they're only going to be on this earth for 70-something years, but I want them to be with my family forever. Jesus is our ultimate model of generosity. Guys, your God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. And he says, I want you to be just like Jesus. I, I want fa like father like son, like father like daughter. Think about that. Every time you and I open our hands and give, we become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to have a chance to do even now as our ushers come forward to receive today's offering. We're going to commit to God and say, God, finish this year. Breathe on it with your spirit. Multiply far beyond us the impact, and let's see a harvest of souls in 2017. Amen? All right, ushers, you can come on down. A reminder, you could just drop um, the envelope in the bucket at any service, or you could just drop in the mail. It's postage paid. 
or you can give online. By the way, I should mention that. One of the things that's also amazing about the people in this church, I don't think I've actually ever said this publicly, one of the incredible things about people in this church is that 60% of all giving comes online, electronically. In other words, people go to liquidchurch.com, they, on their home uh, computer, they push the give button, and then they give a specific amount or a repeating gift. And I want to thank you for that. Thank you for those of you who give online. You know why? I have found, like in my life and, and Colleen, our, probably our biggest barrier to giving is not selfishness, it's forgetfulness. <laughs> you know? Like we forget our wallet, you forget your purse, you forget your envelope, whatever. 60% of the people in church said, I'm not going to forget, I'm actually going to give online and automate that. About a quarter of them actually set up a repeating gift, meaning every time they get a paycheck, they automatically give to God first. And that is a mark of spiritual maturity. It is a blessing to this church ministry. So let me say thank you again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your love and your faithfulness and faith in action. However you give, whatever amount you give, know that we are extremely grateful for your spirit of generosity. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, as we are about to open up our heart to you in worship, we open our mouths in song, we open our hands in generosity, flood our hearts, Father God. Let them overflow, Lord, with joy this holiday season. And let it not be because of stuff we buy for ourselves, but what we give away. Father God, you didn't create us and put us on the earth to live for ourselves, but you put us on earth to give ourselves away, to become just like Jesus, your son. And so, Father God, I pray right now, I pray for people who are here today and they're struggling. God, I pray that you would be generous to them this fall. Father God, for people who are trying to make ends meet with two jobs, Father, would you provide for their families? God, I pray for people who are out of work. Father, put your hand of favor on them. Open up doors they don't even see coming. But let them know it is from you. And Father God, I pray right now as we give you our humble seeds, that when they go on the ground, you will multiply a harvest beyond anything we can ask or imagine. Thank you for being our good, good father. And thank you, Jesus, for being our good, good savior. May all glory go to you. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen. Okay, ushers at all campuses, you can go ahead and pass today's popcorn buckets. Thank you so much, guys. We're going to remain seated as we close with the final worship song.